I am really excited to be chatting with Dr. Ricky. She has a really unique life journey that she's going to be sharing with everyone listening today that I just know is going to inspire and help so many. She was a doctor, a mother, married, living in a quote-unquote perfect neighborhood, but she had a profound awakening after a breast cancer scare and realizing at that moment that her life lacked true depth and authenticity. She embarked from that point on a transformative journey. Now, from what she learned on her own self-journey, she is living a dream life, which is remarkable, this story. I can't wait for you to hear it. She's living a dream life that is in alignment and filled with that deep intimacy that she was able to find. And she's married to a renowned chef, Seamus Mullen. She is a trained physician, but now she's turned sex, love, and relationship coach. She empowers individuals and couples to foster deeper intimacy, both within themselves and within union, and guiding them towards a more fulfilled life. And all of the work that Dr. Ricky is doing can you know, be found through her links in the bio. I really encourage you to check out what she has going on. But right now, we're going to hear about her story. We all have a story and they're incredible stories and we learn so much from them. Ricky, what's your story? Welcome to the Sage Real Stories podcast, where we are hearing from real women who have a story to share. We face many different challenges as we navigate through this thing called life. But no matter what it is, someone has been there, has been through those woods and charted a path. These stories can be so valuable. They can inspire us, empower, make us feel like we aren't alone. At Sage, we're taking it one step farther, and we are connecting you with that woman who has the story you need to hear. If there is a speaker you hear on this podcast series that resonates with you, email hello at sagelink.com and we will connect you. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this Sage Real Story. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I'm really excited to share my story. So as you share, I had really a seemingly perfect life. I was married. I had two children. I still do. They're beautiful. Uh, I was working as a physician and on the surface, I appeared to have absolutely everything, but inside I was miserable and I had a complete lack of intimacy in my life, both intimacy with myself, with my partner and with all my friends. And what I mean by that is I was living completely on the surface. I was in complete denial of how unhappy I was. I really looked at all the things that I had and I kept trying to really feel happy because I had everything only I was completely exhausted all the time that was that's a big sign of being unfulfilled that overwhelm that constant overwhelm I was exhausted all the time I was 
constantly searching outside of me for validation. I was afraid to feel any emotion. So I went on antidepressants because I was unhappy in my marriage and I didn't know how to address it. I didn't have the tools to talk to my ex-husband. I didn't know how to get out of the situation I was in. And the truth is that I was so afraid of getting intimate with myself that nobody else around me could actually have an intimate relationship with me. I was completely living life on the surface. And when in September of 2021, when I had this breast mass that was discovered, I was told that there was a five to 20% chance it could be cancer. And so it needed to be removed. And I went in for surgery. And right before I went in for surgery, the first thought that came to me was this work that I'm doing cannot be what I'm doing. I need to do more. I have to reach a broader audience. And that was kind of the start, I believe, of this awakening, of this realization that my life was deeply unfulfilling. Pause there for a second and help me understand what you meant in your mind or kind of what you were thinking in your mind by the broader audience. Was there a calling that you felt you weren't like living your purpose? Yes, that's exactly it. I felt like I was not living my purpose. I really actually loved being a medical physician. However, the institution itself has stripped a lot of the humanity from medicine and the art of medicine. And I felt a little bit like I was working in a system of checkboxes and algorithms and that I wasn't able to help people on the level that I really wanted to or at the depth that I desired to. And I then went in for the surgery. And when I came out of the surgery, I realized that I was deeply unhappy in my marriage. It was the first time that I really allowed myself to admit it. And so I decided that my marriage either needed to shift and change, or I would need to leave it. And so now I'm a young mother waiting to find out if I have cancer and having this realization that the reason I've been so deeply unhappy that I've been numbing myself out with antidepressants was because I was living a life completely out of alignment, because I was living a life that society told me to live. And so those the main things were that I was not living my purpose and that I was in a marriage that with a beautiful, beautiful man, but we were not right for each other. Do you think that that was, what was it that I guess made you feel like that came into the forefront? Was it the fact that you were faced with the possibility that your life might be shorter than you initially thought? Yeah. Yeah. When I realized I was going to be sick, um, that I could be sick, I should say, because I ended up not having cancer. It ended up just being a high-risk lesion. When I got, you know, after a week, I got the results back. But in that week, I had a lot of time to think. And one of the thoughts was, I'm going to be sick and this can't be my life, right? Mm -hmm. Like this cannot be the life that I lived here on this earth in this lifetime. Life is too short. Mm -hmm. I am like so deeply unfulfilled, unsatisfied and feel all alone despite having everything. Everything's very powerful. And so I went to my ex-husband. I asked him to go to therapy. 
Um, I set up the appointment. It was a Monday evening. I set up a nanny for the kids. I walked into therapy and he didn't show up. And that was um, hard. And, you know, it was a really difficult realization that he didn't show up, but it was also a gift. It was a gift, you know, I believe from source, from God, from the divine, from the universe, that this is my out. You don't have to stay here anymore. You can go. Um, and so, yeah, I told him that I wanted a divorce after that. And he said he didn't realize divorce was an option. And at that point, I had already made up my mind. We had a very amicable split and we went our separate ways. Of course, there were big emotions in the beginning, um, but that was the first thing that I cleared. I was still working as a physician at the time. And shortly after the divorce, I realized that I really needed to take time from work. I was like given this opportunity to finally start getting to know myself because my, I had lived my whole life not knowing myself. I had lived my whole life doing what society had told me to do. And that prevented me from knowing who I was, what I wanted, what really lit me up. And so, yeah. So were yeah. you feeling at this point more excitement or was there still a lot of fear? Like, oh my God, what am I doing? I mean, I think the fact that your ex, it sounds like, was was he okay? Was he you know, almost relieved or how was he? And how no. did that play into your guilt and... Yeah, I would say, okay, now we have a really beautiful co-parenting relationship. And now I look at him as an angel, as a true angel. When I was in it, there was anger, there was resentment. I was the victim. I was like, and I'm sure he was playing victim too. But as I went on my healing um, journey and really had this kind of spiritual awakening that was intertwined with my sexual awakening, I realized that... It actually, I'm not the victim, that I made every choice I had made in my life. I chose everything. Mm -hmm. And so if I chose it all, then there was no way for me to be a victim. And that shift from being the one that's in charge of my life, from being the victim to the one that's in charge of my life, it changes. So then you're no longer blaming anyone for anything. So at some point, I believe he made that same shift because we don't blame one another. But there was a, in the beginning, there was a bit of blame. There was a bit of, you know, I think no divorce is completely seamless. Um, you know, there's the, there are exceptions to that, but it, it was difficult. And I say that for people who are in this situation, for anyone who's listening, who's in this situation is that. There, there was fear, right? There was fear. I don't know what's coming next. I'm type A. I'm a planner. I'm the one that was the straight A student, always in the front, always the people pleaser, always following all the rules, never believed I would get a divorce, never believed I would leave medicine. Like I was like, this is my life forever. Um, even when I had my mask removed, I said to the surgeon, because there was another area of tissue that needed to be evaluated. And I said, take it all. I don't care if my breast is deformed. I'll be married forever. And, um, <laughs> and little did I know, I'd come out and want a divorce. Wow. So yeah, it's pretty wild. But um, yeah, so that being said, there's definitely, there was definitely fear. I have, I had no idea what was in front of me. Um, in fact, I would go on these hikes in the mountains and they would be, uh, 
it's so beautiful. Nature is so deeply healing. And mm -hmm. fog would come down and I couldn't see the path in front of me. And I remember every time that I would, you know, go on this hike and I couldn't see the path in front of me. I just remember thinking to myself, this is so like representative of my life right now. I can't see anything in front of me. And then I would like turn a little corner and the fog would kind of lift and I would just see beauty all around me. Like it was so beautiful, so serene, so magical. And, and so I, it would give me that hope. I love that. The symbolism is incredible. So I just want to take a pause here. Yeah. It's, it's like you were there, you said in the mountains hiking? Yes. So you were living your truth and being in a place where you wanted to be. So even though you couldn't see the next step, you knew, did you feel, you just felt like it was going to be okay. And is that sort of how you felt? This is what I hear from a lot of women who feel like they've taken the step to live their truth. They just have this solid feeling. Did you feel that? Yes, absolutely. It would I would just walk out and I would know I would, there was a deep knowing that everything was going to be better than okay. And I think part of that is being in such deep misery, right? Being in such deep misery and so unhappy and so unfulfilled and so empty and so all alone. When you get to that point, it's almost like there actually can't be anything worse than that. Like I'd rather be single and lost and not know what's happening next than to have everything and feel empty and all alone and unsatisfied. I think that's a worse feeling that, yeah. that feeling of having literally everything on paper, but feeling completely unsatisfied. And some women I feel like at this point would say, but he's not abusive or, but I'm safe, but he's not terrible, but it's enough. I think to just feel that emptiness, that is enough. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I always say marrying my ex-husband was one of the best days of my life. And so was divorcing him. I mean, I had, I was so madly in love with him when we got married. We have two beautiful children. We really had a beautiful life together for a period of time until we became completely disconnected. And then it was, we were just totally disconnected. And it's, it's a much more beautiful way to be living a life in alignment and everybody's different and to really listen within to know what is your truth and to follow that is so important. And there is fear that comes up, but to have that trust in knowing that everything will be okay. Um, I remember actually when I was getting ready to leave the marriage, I took my best friend on a walk. Nobody knew how unhappy I had been. Nobody knew I was on antidepressants, which by the way, I weaned off the antidepressants the day my ex-husband moved out. I weaned off of them because I was like, I'm finally free to be me. I felt like I could never be myself in that relationship. And that was the part that it was basically like a full rejection of myself. And so I was finally free to be me. And so I was ready to feel the range of emotions and step into life and, and to know myself. And I weaned off those antidepressants that day. And my life has been full and rich ever since. For you, it was a situational thing yeah. that you resolved. And that's beautiful. That is really beautiful. Yeah. And so I took my friend on this walk and she said to me, oh, there's, you're going to, she goes, everybody I know who got divorced regrets it. You're going to regret it. And I looked at her and I said, I will never, ever regret this. I have a deep knowing that this is the way. And um, 
it's true. I've never regretted it. In fact, it's so beautiful that if I had known that life would be this rich, this beautiful on the other side, I'm, I'm always like, oh, I probably would have done it sooner. Um, but, but you did it at the perfect time. That I, it, yes. You at the time that was, when I was sent, sent to you. and Yes. And so what I want to say too, is that listening to that deep knowing, that deep intuition is really beautiful. And the more that you tap into that, the more intuitive you become, the more you mm -hmm. trust yourself, feel safe in yourself, love yourself. And so that's been a really beautiful part of my journey. When I came out of my marriage, as I mentioned, I was a total victim. I was totally in victim mode. I was like, I'm done. I don't understand why when I did everything right, I ended up being so miserable, feeling so all alone, so empty. It should have been a perfect life. And I was angry. I was really angry. And then I felt completely lost. And so I took this course, this group course called Dream Your Life. Uh, with this woman, Julia Martin, who's a manifestation coach. And it was in that course, she gave us this assignment. She said, um, I want you to journal about what you're passionate, what you were passionate about in the past and what you're passionate about now. And I sat down to write and I'm a journaler. Like my, I will write, 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 write for hours. I sat down to write. I'm going to get like emotional telling this. And tears started to flow from my eyes, like so many tears, because I realized that I knew exactly what I was passionate about in high school. I could write a whole list, but if you asked me what I was passionate about at that moment, I had no idea. My pen stopped and I couldn't write a thing. And I, I was shocked. I was like, I have no idea who I am. And so I went on a journey to develop the best relationship of my life with myself. I was ready to get intimate with myself, to know myself, mm -hmm. to love myself fully, and to learn what I'm passionate about. And I did that. Yeah. I would say I'm going to have the best life story of my life with myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, it was an interesting path. So I went to Costa Rica and I sat in four ayahuasca ceremonies and it was there that a lot came to me that was so deep for my healing. And some of the main things that came was that I understood why I had made all the decisions I made in my life. And then this calling to do this work, to strip the shame around sex and sexuality came to me. I had an incredible job opportunity waiting for me that I had accepted right before I was ready to go back into medicine. I um, decided that I wanted to really shift where I had been working. I was given an incredible job opportunity at one of the best healthcare systems in LA. And I had accepted the job right before I went on this retreat. And when I came back, I was like, I actually can't take this job. I need to work in the space of sex and sexuality. And people again were like, are you crazy? What are you yeah. doing? You're a doctor. Like you have this yeah. you know, professional degree and you've worked so hard. And, and I just would look at them with certainty and I'd say, no, this is, this is my purpose. It is my life calling. I know that so deep. That must've been a really hard obstacle. And I remember when we first chatted, I asked you <clears throat> how, how, you know, how difficult was that to really overcome? Because I can imagine the judgment 
being in healthcare myself, you know, it's, it's, there's just the traditional medicine and, and this is like the mindset and she's a doctor. What do you mean? She's not going to be a doctor. And I can't only imagine maybe even what your parents were thinking. Talk a little bit about that and how you stayed so grounded in your choice. Yeah. I still get comments all the time from people. Um, it is so, okay, I'll rewind a bit. When I was in my marriage, we had a sexless marriage. There were years that we went without sex, like sometimes up to two and a half years. We were together for 15 years. So there were years of, of no intimacy. And in that, I had deep pain and I had nobody to talk to about it because I was so ashamed. I was not looking at it as a choice like I didn't look at it as I'm making this choice to be celibate because I think that there is power in like, I'm going to be celibate and then I'm mm -hmm. going to recirculate my sexual energy and have that as like my life force, my prana and produce and be powerful from this place of celibacy. It was not like that. It was like, I really longed to have sex, but we were not connecting at all. And I was also not touching myself. So there was a complete lack of mm -hmm. any sort of physical intimacy for my body. So that was deeply painful for me. And I remember wishing, like at the age of 32, I when I was pregnant with my first son, I remember laying in bed and staring at the ceiling and really thinking I'm never going to have sex again in my life and being really worried that was going to be the case because I was married. And in my world, I was like, if I'm married, I'm committed, I won't cheat. And my husband uh, did not have interest in having sex with me. Um, or so it seemed. And so whether it was a story I told myself doesn't actually matter. We weren't having sex. And this was where I was and how I felt. And that place of feeling so alone was so deeply painful that I was like, I need to give a voice to this. I need to give a voice to the women who are afraid to touch their bodies and have so much shame around it. I need to give a voice to the women who aren't having sex and are feeling pain and sadness around it. I need to give a voice to people who are feeling shame around sex and sexuality. And there's so much empowerment that I've developed along the way. And so it's almost like there's truly no question for me. I mean, this is my purpose. This is my life calling. It is the only, I always say like, I'm, I know myself so well now. I know my truth so well. It's the only way I know how to live. And so when somebody gives me the questions or the judgments or the, you know, I actually, even a judgment, I don't view it as a judgment because I'm like so passionate. I'm so excited about this that I'm like, no, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And I love it. And let me tell you about it. And when I do, I light up. I Amazing. Can yeah. Because you know, deep in your soul, the healing power with what you're doing and how it can so positively impact others in a bigger way than you can, than you felt you could impact and heal because you're still a healer. Both jobs are healing. You just feel like you can heal on a, in a, in a way that you feel so passionately is needed. Yes. And in it, in, and in it have a unique place to do that because let's be honest, there's not many people doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's more attention on it, but it's certainly not 
the mainstream and there's this huge need that you saw personally. It's incredible. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so anybody could come and say whatever they want and I'm happy to hear what people have to say and I'm happy to share. Um, but it's that, it's that really grounding in your truth, which is the core of like the work that I do too with sex and sexuality. I work with some people who are truly just trying to like step into their truth and find their confidence, but it's all the same concept. It's accepting all parts of yourself without shame. That is mm -hmm. the core of it all. And that's why my sexual awakening was intertwined with my spiritual awakening. Because for me, when I would go into, when I finally did start self-pleasuring, because I made it a mission to have like the best sex of my life with myself. And when I finally, you know, started to really surrender into sex, what would happen was I would find that there were these parts of me that I had actually locked up into like little boxes or cages and stuffed inside me and said like, no, you can't come out because Ricky, the people pleaser and Ricky, the rules follower. Nope. It's not acceptable. And so I was part of my awakening was meeting these parts of myself when I was in the deep surrender of pleasure, because in mm -hmm. pleasure, it was less scary to let these parts of myself out. And then I would meet almost like these parts of me that I had locked away deep in wow. pleasure. And I would love those parts of me. I was like, why did I lock that up? That's like my wild mm -hmm. woman. That's the powerful one. That's the queen in me. And so I started to take that. And what I would realize is after these sessions where I was deep in pleasure, whether it was, you know, with a partner or on my own, I would suddenly go out and um, like play tennis, right? And I'm an okay tennis player, I'm not great. And I would feel like I was Serena Williams or Venus Williams. I would go to carpool, you know, school pickup and I'd get out of the car and start talking to the parents and they'd be like, what are you doing? You're glowing, it's amazing. And I was like, honestly, I'm just finally loving myself. I'm meeting the parts of myself. I'm bringing those parts to life. And for me, it was through pleasure. And that's why my sexual and spiritual awakening were intertwined. But it doesn't- Did you tell the woman in the car? <laughs> Did yeah. you tell that to the woman in the car line? Oh, yeah. just like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite thing to talk about. Like I talk about sex all the time. That's, you know, why I, I do it. So yes, absolutely. And I also understand that everybody works at different paces and has different comfort levels. And so there are some people, you know, some women that I work with who have no interest in talking about sex and sexuality, but we do that deep work of um, going into what is their truth and who are they and who, where are these parts of them that have been locked up and how to access them and reach them through things like meditation, visualization, and breath work, which is like all of those modalities have been so deeply feeling in dropping into meeting myself and loving myself. The different layers, it feels like to me where, you know, the, the very basic is like, let's, let's live our truth and then let's go a layer deeper and deeper. And I, I don't know, tell me what you think, but to me, it feels like the deepest layer for women, at least women in our current culture and historically our culture is that that deepest layer that still we lock away is our sexuality and that pleasure space because it's just been ingrained in us that either we don't deserve it or it's shameful or for whatever reason it stays locked up for so many women yes okay so here's what it's I'm all connected 
Yeah. This is, um, this is pretty powerful. So sex is so incredibly powerful that it has the power to produce life, to actually mm. produce a life. That's how powerful our sexual energy is, right? Now, when we walk that away, we're basically locking away our life force. And you're right. It is family being like, don't wear that top. You look like a slut, right? Or whatever words they may use. Um, it is religion telling you that it's a sin. It is society saying you can't be that way. It's not ladylike. And it's trauma. And it's uninvited advances, which is trauma. So like you're walking down the street and somebody whistles at you through the car and then you're like, can't do that. Or somebody touches you in a way as you're walking past them. And you're like, I don't even know that person. Definitely did not consent them touching mm -hmm. me and what happens is we start to reject that part of ourselves mm -hmm. because we're like it's either not safe or not acceptable mm -hmm. and we kill mm -hmm. the life force within us and and i did that right like i completely shut down my sexual energy center like totally shut down my sexuality i dressed in baggy clothes i was completely like nope uh-uh and, and I was empty. I was a shell of myself. And when I went through my sexual awakening, it was almost like I could see the, this like lighting up of my chakras. It was like everything was lighting up and aligning and that sexual energy came alive. And when I learned that that sexual energy could, is life force itself, right? I learned how to move through life with this really powerful energy and that... Mm -hmm is like a really beautiful medicine. And it's a shame that so many women have been shamed, have been scolded, have been traumatized into locking up and hiding. Did you have a follow-up journaling to write your passions and how did that go? Yes, oh yes, oh yes. I mean, I'm like, I think that everybody that knows me, so, so I, what happened is I went on this journey, right? And then I, of getting to know myself, of learning to love myself. And now my life is like so rich. It's so beautiful. I have every single one of my, I have less friends because I used to know everybody, but every single one of my friends mm -hmm. is deep. It's real. Like we talk about the real stuff. We know each other intimately. It's not surface level friendships. Um, I'm married to my king, my dream man, my, as you said, you know, he's a, world-renowned chef. He is beautiful, beautiful soul and, and my soulmate. I, my children are thriving. They're like so happy. My relationship with them is so intimate. It's so deep. It's so real. It's so accepting. And um, so life has just come and I'm doing my dream job, right? So life is completely transitioned. And every single one of my friends, my children and my husband, would all be able to tell you what I'm passionate about because now I, I don't just know it. I live it. I am it. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Mm -hmm. That is so, so such a beautiful part of that. Like everyone knows you don't have to write it down. You're just exuding it yes. freely, fearlessly and in your truth. It's really remarkable how fearlessly you have led this transition in your life. It's something that a lot of women maybe really 
grappling with the courage to do and hearing your story might move them one step closer to saying, okay, maybe I can do that too. I would just love to share one more thing, which is that when, yeah. when you do align with your purpose, with your truth, with what fills you up, what happens is everybody around you starts to benefit. Everybody mm -hmm. around you feels that love. They feel that radiance and they start to radiate too. And so mm -hmm. I feel like some oftentimes as women, we're putting ourselves last, especially if we're mothers, right? Yeah. But there's this really beautiful thing that happens when you start to live from a place of alignment of this is my truth. Yes, it may be rocky at first. People may fall out of your life. You may have some resistance. Mm -hmm. However, when you fully align with your truth and you're living from that place, everyone around you feels it. Everyone around you feels the love. They feel the radiance. So, yeah. Yeah. I, and I have seen and heard that many times yeah. I have, I have here and it, it, it just an, an incredible testament to that too. And a beautiful, a beautiful story to, to be inspired by any last maybe tips that you'd like to leave yeah. If you're really desiring to connect with yourself and connect with that truth within so that you can live really your most joyful and blissful life, which doesn't mean that it's always easy and things always go your way, but it does mean that you're always in alignment. You're never rejecting yourself or turning your back on yourself. The advice I have is get quiet. Just make some time for you to be with you, whether it be taking a bath, going for a walk, going for a hike, journaling, just really take that time or meditating, just really take that time to be with you. Um, and that's, it will, the answers will just come and life will start to make more sense. And when you first take that leap of making a shift that is truly in alignment with who you are, again, there may be some chaos that there may be some unknowns, there may be some uncertainty and there may be some fear. Just hold yourself and love yourself through all of that and continue to connect in those quiet moments. I just love that. And, you know, uh, Ricky, you are full of just incredible, you know, wisdom from living through this journey. You have so much to offer the the women that you coach and the, the you know, the, the couples that you coach. And Ricky has opened herself to chatting with any listener. What a gift to be able to offer that to anyone listening that, you know, you don't just get to hear your, you know, Dr. Ricky's story, but actually she is opening herself up to say, let's chat. You have a question. Talk to me. Um, and that's incredible. Thank you so much for that. And I'm so passionate about bringing these stories to women that need to hear them. And then taking it that next step to connection is just magical, I think. So thank you for being part of that. Thank you. Thank you for doing this beautiful work. I guess I am here. Reach out um, calendly.com backslash gush with Ricky. I'm sure the link will be in the bio below. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. And you can always email me at hello at sagelink.com as well. And I can personally link you together. Thank you. Go on to living your incredibly fulfilled life. 
Mm -hmm. It's been wonderful talking with you.